thank you, Father, for making yourself known to us, showing us the way of salvation through faith in your Son. We ask you now to teach us through your word so that we may be ready to serve you for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's Bible reading is taken from Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs 31, sayings of King Lemuel. The sayings of King Lemuel, an inspired utterance his mother taught him. Listen, my son. Listen, son of my womb. Listen, my son, the answer to my prayers. Do not spend your strength on women, your vigor on those who ruin kings. It is not for kings, Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine, not for rulers to crave beer, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and deprive all the oppressed of their rights. Let beer be for those who are perishing, wine for those who are in anguish. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly, defend the rights of the poor and needy. Verse 10. A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing, food, bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them, and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Our next reading is taken from Revelations 19, verses 6 to 9.
Revelations 19, verse 6. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. Good morning, Amberton AM. Uh, we are into our final sermon in the Proverbs series. I hope you've had a good time in this book. I certainly have. Uh, there's an outline on the back. And as we go through, I will suggest some questions for you to reflect over today or maybe during the week on things that you've learnt from Proverbs. Uh, but let's get into it. Uh, the question I wanted to start with today was, is God's church beautiful? Is God's church beautiful? Not the church building, although this is a beautiful building. Is God's church, you, the people, me, is it beautiful? How would you answer that question? Because I love Jesus and I love his church, I want to say yes. I want to say yes because I've also seen it and experienced it. I've seen the church, Christians, unite together in the most beautiful ways. I've seen followers of Jesus use what they have to help those in need. When a tragedy strikes, when a new child is born, when a need arises, I've seen the church in action, praying, caring, encouraging, giving. And I've got to say, it's beautiful. But I imagine if we surveyed the world around us, the church would not be viewed as positively. This is what one author wrote. Increasingly, Christianity is viewed as the bad guy. Christianity is no longer an option, it's a problem. We're on the wrong side of history, the wrong side of so many issues and conversations. If this were a Western, we'd be the guys wearing the black hats whose appearance is accompanied by the foreboding soundtrack. It's come as a surprise, we're not sure how it happened, we don't like it, and we don't feel like we deserve it, but we are the bad guys now. That book, definitely worth reading, but I think that quote is on the money. I don't think many would consider the church as beautiful. As a matter of fact, I think some, possibly many, would view the church with some disgust. The question is, what are we to do about it? The author of this book goes on to say, well, we can't just become the, the good guys. That will mean too much compromise. Rather, it's about being the best, most beautiful bad guys. And here's where I think Proverbs helps us. Proverbs is a book given by God to help his people live wise lives, lives that reflect his amazing love and faithfulness. And over this last term, God has used Proverbs to help us reflect on our words, our families, our friends, how we work and how we rest, and how we plan in light of God's sovereignty. Now just imagine for a moment if we lived this wisdom out perfectly. I reckon our lives and our church would be beautiful because our lives and our church would reflect the beauty of God, His love and faithfulness. And I think this is why Proverbs concludes with a beautiful hymn. Proverbs 31 is different from the rest of Proverbs. It's attributed to someone other than Solomon. Verse 1 tells us, they are the sayings of King Lemuel, an inspired utterance his mother taught him. 
So these words, you know, every week I've, as I've preached, I've said they're the words of a father to a son, but these words are the words of a mother to a son. And one of her big concerns is that he makes a wise choice when it comes to choosing a wife. And so the mother spends a lot of time describing a wife of noble character. And I've got to say, it reminds me a little of my mum. She didn't write a note down for me, but it was obvious she cared a lot about who I chose to spend time with. And sometimes, when a relationship ended, while she tried to be sad with me, I could tell she was very, very happy. <laughs> but I think these words go beyond simply good marriage advice. Firstly, it's highly poetic. Verse 10 to 31 is an acrostic poem. This means that each verse starts with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It is marvelously written. It is highly idealized. It's a work of art. It's really the sort of song that is written for a hero. This is far more than just a list of ways to do life or a checklist to line up with. Like a good song, this passage is meant to work on our emotions and our desires. Secondly, this goes beyond just good marriage advice because of how the book of Proverbs started. You might remember that in wisdom, in chapters 1 to 9, wisdom was often referred to or described as a woman. Wisdom was personified. Wisdom was calling out in the public square for people to come and listen to her. Wisdom set up her house, prepared a feast, and invited people to dine with her, to intimately know her. The father urged the son in chapter 4 to cherish wisdom, to embrace wisdom, and to not forsake wisdom. These are the words of how a husband is to treat his wife. Now, there's a few reasons why wisdom is personified as a woman, but one of the most important is that it helps us see that wisdom is far more than just knowledge. We're not computers. We don't just take data in and then spit out right actions. We're humans, humans with passions and desires. For us to gain wisdom, our desires must also be right and good. So for us to gain wisdom, we must be attracted to wisdom's beauty. And so to wrap up Proverbs, King Solomon includes the sayings of a mother to paint a beautiful, attractive portrait of wisdom lived out. This chapter is a celebration of wisdom. It's the perfect way to end Proverbs and it's the perfect way to end our time in this series. So first thing, wisdom lived out is precious and good. I often think about what sort of questions can help us work out how we're going in our faith. It's kind of tricky. Uh, normally, if someone is asked how are they going spiritually, their thoughts will go to their Bible reading or their prayer life, which is great, but often doesn't get to the heart of it. A question that goes a bit deeper, and this is for anyone, Christian or not, is what do you treasure? What is most precious to you? This question uncovers what is of great worth to you. Verse 10, a wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth more than rubies. The most precious thing in Proverbs is one's character. It's someone's ability to live out wisdom. This woman, this wife, because of her wisdom, is worth more than rubies, more than gold, more than anything. In chapter 8, the same kind of language is used to describe wisdom. We saw it in our family spot. Wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Our starting point is to recognize and remember wisdom's great value. And so the mother adds to the good things that flow out 
from having a wife of noble character. In verse 11 and 12, her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. In the Bible, we are urged over and over again to have full confidence in God, to trust in God with all our heart. Very, very rarely are we called to put our trust in another person. Often, we are warned against it. But here, because the wife is of noble character, living out wisdom perfectly, her husband trusts with all his heart. Wisdom lived out leads to full confidence in others. And it leads to full life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. The first section sets up here something very important. The life of this wife shows the value of wisdom lived out. It's more precious than rubies. It leads to full confidence and full life. And I can't help but think of Jesus Christ, who lived out wisdom perfectly. His perfect life, giving us full confidence to listen to him. His perfect life leading to us finding full life in him for all our days into eternity. Wisdom lived out is incredibly valuable. We need to know this because we only seek after things that we believe in our hearts are worth it. The more we value something, the more precious it is, the more we desire it and the more we love it. So, as you reflect on this last term, how has Proverbs helped you value wisdom lived out more deeply? Something for you to think of during the week. Next, wisdom lived out works hard with what you have for the sake of others. Uh, one of my highlights of this sermon series has been hearing Dan Wu, a lecturer from Moore College, a member of our congregation, teach us. He's a bit of a master, a bit of a Yoda or an Obi-Wan, uh, when it comes to reading and teaching Proverbs. Uh, in his first sermon, he mentioned how wisdom is played out in our practice, our perspective, and our passions. Or, if you wanted a different word, hands, heads, and hearts. And in chapter 31, we see a concrete example of wisdom impacting all these areas. First, her hands. She is very practical. I imagine if we looked at her hands, there might be a callus or two, or there might be some dirt under her fingernails because she works hard with the resources she's been given for the sake of others. Verse 13, she seeks out wool and flax, which is used to make linen, and then works with willing hands. She manually cleans the raw materials, preparing them for further work to come. And then verse 19, in her hand she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. These are tools that are used to make linen and cloth. Maybe they look like something like this. And then the income she earns from making her textiles, her clothing, her hands get dirty. She buys and then plants a vineyard. Her hands work willingly. She's productive with the resources she's been given. She takes what she has and turns them into something good. Far from the sluggard who turns on their bed like a door on a hinge, don't you love that image, with no or little purpose, she rises while it's night and works with her hands. But it's not just her hands, it's her head that's also involved. She's thoughtful in verse 16. She considers a field and buys it. Or in verse 18, she sees or perceives her trading is profitable. In other words, she has insight. She can see what's truly in front of her. She doesn't just see good and bad, she sees better and best. And then she makes a profitable decision. With her hands, with her head, she is wise, she's wisdom. 
And so verse 26 is not surprising. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. If you think back over our Proverbs series, we've spoken about our words, our family, and our work. This portrait of wisdom in chapter 31 has it all. But what makes her truly beautiful is her heart. I learned a new acronym this week, D-W-Y-L. Does anyone know what it means? You can have some thinking time while I take a drink. Thank you, whoever said that. I can't, I think it was Andrew, maybe. Do what you love. Do what you love. Did anyone else know that? That's okay. I didn't know it. Do what you love. It's quite embedded in our culture. Steve Jobs once said this. I think it's kind of quite a famous speech. Have you got to find what you love? And that is as true for your work as it is for your lovers. Your work is going to fill a large part of your life. And the only way to be truly satisfied is to do what you believe is great work. And the only way to do a great work is to love what you do. Oprah Winfrey, follow your passion, do what you love, and the money will follow. Most people don't believe it, but it's true. Now, I wonder, you know, you can have this thought experiment later, how much does do what you love kind of change how you think about work? Maybe do what you love is one of the reasons that work often becomes about the individual. It makes work about what you love and what truly satisfies you. But in Proverbs 31, work being productive with the resources she has, is not about what you love, it's about who you love. The heart of wisdom is life orientated outwards, life lived for others. Life goals are not about do what you love, but love for others. The wife, this woman who lives out wisdom, works hard, but it's not for herself. Is for others, her household, her servants. Verse 19 and 20, which actually is the middle of this poem, are beautiful. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hand to the needy. She takes hold of tools to work. Her fist is closed, but her fist does not remain closed. Sometimes in our culture, we think because we've worked hard for money, it's our money. And so our fists remain closed around the money we've earned, or our fists hold tightly to our resources. And it's not always our money, it's our time as well. We hold it closed fist. But while wisdom closes her fist to work, her hands are beautifully open to give. She's open-handed with her wealth and resources. Verse 20, she opens her arms to the poor. She extends her hand to the needy. Her heart is for the other. Her heart is like God's, caring for the weak and vulnerable. Her heart and her hands are like Christ. He came as the Son of Man, the one from heaven who rules with God, but he did not come to be served, he served. He gave his life as a ransom for many. His hands were closed as he carried the cross through the streets of Jerusalem, but his hands were open as he died pouring out life and grace to those in need. Lived out wisdom is beautiful. It's attractive. It's generous. It's what we see in the beauty of the cross. So, for you to think of in the week to come, how have you seen a wise life being good for the sake of others? Which takes us to the last part, it's wisdom lived out is praised. 
Over the last 10 days or so, my Facebook feed has been filled with praise. It's been filled with praise for Queen Elizabeth. People from across the world, of high status, of low status, of young, of old, all have praised the Queen. And I think much of this praise has stemmed from her good character. Her character, which I'm assuming was largely shaped by her faith in God. In our final section of Proverbs 31, there is much praise. In verse 28, her children rise up and call her blessed. Any mothers had that experience? Uh, which is not just a, a good on your mum. To be blessed was God's ultimate goal for his people. To be blessed is what God promised Abraham and all his descendants. And so as the children call her blessed is one big tick of approval on her wise life. But it's not just her children who praise her. In verse 29, it's her husband as well. In verse 31, it's the community that praises her at the city gate. Wisdom lived out is praised. This was always God's intended endpoint for wise people. Deuteronomy, God gives his people decrees and laws, and then he says this, Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations, who will hear about all these, all these decrees and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Israel was not a great nation. It wasn't a big nation. It was small in size. It was ins insignificant. It was the fewest of all people. But through their wise lives, they will be praised as a great nation by the surrounding nations. The end point of wisdom is praise. And significantly, the author praises and affirms her. In verse 30, charm is deceptive, beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. See, while it's tempting to read Proverbs and only view all these outward activity, this verse sheds light on an important reality. All her outward works are founded in the fear of the Lord. This is where Proverbs started, 1 verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and now the fear of the Lord is how the book ends. The fear of the Lord, a relationship with God, in awe and wonder of knowing who he is, frameworks a wise life. The fear of the Lord is the starting place and the finish line. The fear of the Lord is the ground floor and the penthouse. The, the fear of the Lord is the source and it's the end. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wise life and its goal. It is her life grounded and ending in the fear of the Lord which makes her truly wise, which leads to the praise of many. And so, as you reflect, on our series, how has wisdom led you to praise God or to praise another person for their way, wise life? But it does beg the question, uh, what does Proverbs 31 mean for us all? Uh, there is a lot of debate over who the Proverbs 31 woman is. Is she a role model? Is she wisdom personified? There are a lot of solid arguments either way and I've spent lots of hours in this chapter, and I still feel split. And so I'm looking forward to this seminar, which is going to come up on the screen, which I hope will give me some further clarity. What perfect timing. It's like in two weeks' time. You could do it with your Bible study group. Uh, October 12, I'm going to be doing it with my Bible study group, and I hope it's going to give me some clarity on who this Proverbs 31 woman is. But what I am confident of is that Proverbs 31 is a concrete picture of wisdom lived out in its perfection. And so, I'm confident it's a picture for us all. In many ways, God calls us all, men and women, to set our affections and desires on the wisdom of Proverbs 31. Because we are the bride of Christ. We are 
the king's queen. Revelation 19, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride, the church, has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. We, the church, are the bride. And like in Proverbs 31, where the wife is in the business of clothing and she clothes herself with strength and dignity, verse 25, we too, God's people, are in the business of clothing. We are given Jesus' righteous robes to wear, which covers our sin and shame, which covers our and forgives our foolish ways. And then we are called to be his bride, to put off our old sinful, selfish natures and to wear fine linen that stands for his righteous acts. We are his bride as we seek to live out wisdom in all its facets. We are his bride in our words, in our families, in our work, in our friendship, in all of these ways we've talked about over the last term. And as the bride of the marvellous King Jesus, united to him, we will become more and more beautiful. I hope that you've had a great term in Proverbs. At the beginning, you might remember, you were invited to dine with wisdom, to intimately know wisdom. You were invited to dine with each other on wisdom. And by God's grace, I've seen this happen. I've seen conversations at church, morning tea, in Bible study. I think as a church, we've had a rich feast learning a wise life. And so, thank you. Thanks for contributing and being great dining partners. Keep dining on wisdom. But as we finish, our prayer really is Proverbs 3.3, which has been on our splash screen the whole time along. Our prayer is this, that love and faithfulness will never leave us. That we will bind love and faithfulness around our neck like a beautiful necklace for the world to see that we will write love and faithfulness on our hearts, being changed by God's grace from the inside out, and that as we do that, we will become beautiful like our wise Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.